0: Hello friends, welcome to the podcast. This is the JRPG report and this will be episode 123 for your listening pleasure. We hope everyone is doing well out there in the dog days of summer and one of the best Time-tested, tried and true methods of getting through a hot summer is with a great long JRPG. I fear, like myself, you've been doing that since uh, your days of childhood, and some things just never change. We've got an awesome podcast for you guys today with some really big stories, some uh, some kind of uh, bombshells that came out of nowhere, seemingly. And let's get right to it. In a week that I could have went. Either way, on the lead, um, I went uh, went with my heart and went with my gut, and um, the Nintendo Direct Mini presentation, um, like I believe that's what they're calling this um, Direct Mini. Um, so they kind of do a, a spotlight on some of their developers now for the Nintendo Directs. And these have always been a source of a lot of information in the past pertaining to the games that we love so much. Well, this quote-unquote mini one, which is something they're going to be doing from now on, and there's more planned for this year, uh, came out swinging. Um, we knew there was going to be previously announced titles. That's what they said was going to be highlighted but we got a brand new announcement. So kind of leading up to this was a report that came out back on the 15th. So this was um, last week saying that uh, Atelier Riza 2, Lost Legends and the Secret Fairy had been raided in Japan. So that's, you know, the boards that they released to, And then for upcoming approval. And it was one of those things like you kind of, you take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes these things are fairly accurate. Most of the time they're they're at least accurate in the fact that this is something that's happening. Um, if they have a release window, that can sometimes be a bit skewed. It turned out this one was absolutely correct. And uh, this game is coming, and it's probably coming sooner than you would expect. There was a release uh, trailer for that, a little bit over a minute long. Um, did show off some gameplay. Showed uh, Riza in a brand new large city. So I guess she makes it over to the mainland for this adventure. Makes sense. They kind of explored everything they could uh, with the island. So makes sense to take this one to the mainland. And um, it's coming this winter worldwide. So that could mean it slips into 2020. It could... I would dare say, if you're being more realistic, it's going to be into 2021, right after the new year. Uh, There was a, uh, of course the trailer went along with it, the website has been created for it, and will go live on July 29th. Of course all this is in Japanese, as the trailer is as well, and if you played the first one, it's in Japanese with English subtitles, I don't expect that to change. Either. So here is the overview of the game. It's not much to it. Oh, Atelier Riza 2 Lost Legends and the Secret Fairy is a direct sequel to the best selling Atelier Riza Ever Darkness and the Secret Hideout, a worldwide smash hit that has already shipped over 420,000 copies to date. In this latest entry in the Atelier series, Riza makes her triumphant return as a protagonist, making franchise history as the first character to take on the hero role in two. Successive titles, and that is kind of a big deal. The um, 2 games come out in trilogies, and in a setting, in a place, but it almost always has different characters uh, for each one of those. And I believe that due to her popularity, we're going to actually get a, a rise of trilogy. I don't, I don't see them stopping at just two. I see this being uh, drawn out into three games and. Why not? Um, it was an excellent game. Um, I played quite a few Atelier titles and this one was the best one. So it just, it made pure sense that this is the route that they were going to take with it. Um, in the trailer, it did show, uh, at least one other returning party member and you'll have to forgive me. Her name escapes me, but she's the, uh, the friend of Ryza in the first one. And uh, you'll know it if you've once you see it. Um, very excited for this one. I hope it makes it out that there's not some sort of delay. Um, Gus does try to do at least one game a year, but you know, Fairy tale is coming out here in just a week, so they don't necessarily have to make this in 2020. Um, I dare say this is going to slip until 2021, but it is looking promising, and we'll give you more information about this as it comes out. The other big huge announcements from the Nintendo Direct Mini that could have led with, and I'll be honest, one of the reasons why I didn't because we didn't get any information about it. <laughs> but we do know that Shimigami Tetsa 5 is still a thing. It is not um dead in the water. I I tell you, I was getting to the point where I wasn't quite sure if this game was ever going to come out, and it is planned to come out for the Switch in 2021. As a simultaneous global release, publisher Atlas announced they showed off a new trailer for the game. It is looking very promising. Here is the overview The next numbered int- entry in Atlas's beloved Shimigama Tensei series is coming exclusively to Nintendo Switch. In this epic role playing game, order itself has crumbled and chaos reigns over all. And they also say they will have a simultaneous release. On the Switch in 2021, kind of putting also to bed the idea that this game is going to launch on something other than Switch. At least initially, it will be Switch only. Could it come to another system in the future? That's certainly plausible. But for and I'm I'm glad that they are doing this one as simultaneous. Um, that seems to be the trend here lately. That um, used to always be. Japan would get these games six months to a year beforehand and then a World Ride release later. Um, I like the simultaneous idea. I'd rather wait a little bit longer and everybody get it at the same time. We'll, we'll see how that seems to change. But yeah, big, big announcement. Fans of this series have been patiently waiting for inf- information. You can check out the uh, announcement trailer over on our YouTube channel. It's got that on there as well as the Rise of trailer, of course, and every other trailer that we talk about today. Um Track Bini wasn't done there though. Um perhaps even a bigger surprise and something that everybody's going to be playing here well sooner than part five is Atlas announced that there is a HD remastered for Shimonogami Tetse 3 Nocturne. Uh, HD remaster will come out for PlayStation 4 and Switch. It will launch October 29th in Japan and spring 2021 worldwide. Uh, forgive me as I butcher some of these names, I'm sure, but it is based on Shin Megamon Tensei 3 Nocturne Maniacs Chronicle Edition. That was the Japanese version. It was just called Nocturne here in the US. And it features. Raido Kuzahana the fourteenth from the Devil Summoner Raido Kunza series, as a replacement for Dante from the Devil May Cry series. This game is these these series are just insane. Uh, the remaster features improved graphics and gameplay, voiced event scenes which can be switched on or off, normal and hard difficulty settings, plus the release of a merciful difficulty setting as free downloadable content. Um, The standard edition of this game is going to cost about 6,000 yen, so it's going to be a budget title. That's always a good thing. Um, It's been a while. They said it's been 17 years since the original release of the game, so now players worldwide can experience this one in HD. Of course, there was a trailer to go along with that. Looks pretty cool. Um, Also on the YouTube channel, I have a Slightly longer, um, about a minute and a half to two minutes longer trailer for this one. That uh, they got over there, obviously in Japanese. But it definitely shows off quite a bit more. So if you head over to YouTube and you see two trailers for Shin Megami Tensei 3. It is because there's a Japanese longer one that uh, you can check out. So yeah, that was all the fun from the Nintendo Direct Mini. Like I said, they're going to spotlight different uh, developers and each one of these are going to be shorter. Uh, the entire presentation was just over 10 minutes long, and they are planning more of those in uh, this year. As the Switch is seemingly getting towards the end of its lifespan, um, you do have the Breath of the Wild sequel coming out, but there's n- I actually believe there's no other Nintendo titles that have been officially announced for it. Lots of rumors of uh, possible games coming out, so they're tending to focus more on third party support for the system. Um I'm not saying it's dead, that there there's certainly going to still be plenty of support for it, but in terms of uh Shelf Life, maybe it's getting towards the end of it. And um until I hear more Nintendo announced games, that's what I'm going to assume. But that doesn't mean we can't have plenty more good games come out for it uh from other developers like Bradley Default 2 and others, So we'll have plenty of things to cover, and I will bring them to you as they do. Another uh, kind of announcement that I wasn't expecting, uh, we talked about the demo for Christ Tales being available on PC via Steam. Well, it was uh, just announced the other day that, hey, you can play this one on your consoles now as well. The demo is available for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch, Publisher Modus Games announced, um, I got a chance to download and actually check it out last night. You can see my entire, a little bit over an hour of gameplay. It includes, uh, I don't know if it's the very beginning of the game, but it's certainly very near it, if not. And then, um, there has, there's a Colosseum that you can check out. So I played through that entire thing. I've got that video up over on YouTube if you just want to check it out instead if you don't want to play it for yourself. um, It was pretty much exactly what I was expecting it to be. Um, I walked away feeling um, even more excited about the game than I was before. It has some pretty cool elements like the uh, past, present, and future element isn't thrown in your face, and it's like, oh, this is the be-all, end-all. It is incorporated pretty wisely into the gameplay. There's some elements of, of trying to help the town and perhaps prevent a dark fate to befall it. Um, it works pretty well in combat as well. So, I actually, <laughs> and it works both ways, as I found out at one point in time. Um, and it's kind of left up to you to uh figure this out. So let's say you've got your standard, you know, goblin enemy that you're facing off against. Um they did highlight this before. If you poison it, which uh Wilhelm has that ability to poison uh the enemies, once it is inflicted, then you would throw it into the future so that all that poison damage adds up and you can get a pretty big hit on it if not kill it completely outright. Um, you could also say if you've got what appears to be a very strong looking goblin, you could throw it into the past to make it a lesser version of itself. That would help out quite a bit. Um, I did this by accident though. Uh, it was actually an old goblin. Like he was like a little old, little old man goblin had his little beard and everything. And so I just like, well, I'll just throw him into the past, not even really paying attention. And what happens is he turns back into his former, you know, kind of buffed up self. So that was, that was an unintended consequence of it. And I quickly uh, changed that, but the mechanic works very well. It definitely is inspired by something like Paper Mario 1000 Year Door with its timed button attacks, you get an added bonus if you uh, hit the, for the PlayStation 4, if you hit the X. As you are landing a strike, you will get an additional strike and some damage bonus. And as enemies hit you, you are encouraged to do that to mitigate damage. And especially in the case of the Colosseum, it is vital um, attacks on average will do double at least if you do not time that well. Uh, and with certain characters you can, um, the one character, oh gosh, what's his name? He has a shield, so he can pretty much negate the damage down to next to null if timed correctly, and you you will need that. There's eight uh, levels in the Colosseum. I got to level six before I just was worn out. Um, couldn't go <laughs> any further. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, impressed with the demo. If you want to check it out, you should do so as well. And, uh, let me know if you like it or not. I was, like I said, I walked away impressed and I'm looking forward to this one coming out on November 17th. If you're looking for a game to play today, we can go and download Tales of Crestoria either on your smartphone or tablet. It is available to all. It is Pretty good, um, it is absolutely still a gotcha mobile game. There's no getting around that aspect of it, however, it does have a lot of those tales staples in it. It's got a really cool story. It's got the skits, and of course, it has all the tales characters, at least quite a few, both good guys and bad guys in it i was I was kind of liking it now. Um, we only have one iPad and it is quote unquote my daughter. So I only get so much time with it. And I played a good hour or two of it. The story was pretty good. It, it is a turn-based battle system. I don't know how they would have done tales, uh, any other way. And, um, I got to the point where I actually made a party Without the characters from the game, I was able to, to get a pre-decent one with some previous characters. If you pre-registered, you got a free uh, super rare character that you could pick. And, of course, I went with Velvet, because why not? And she was uber powerful. I got another, they call them SSR rare characters, um, which ended up being a souped-up version of the new B- Michella Michela, Michela. I'm not sure how she did a souped up version of her. And she went right into the party. I'm trying to think who else I had in there. Um, can't really recall, but I, you, you could have picked, um, Mila was an option. You could have got Luke. Uh, there's quite a few of them that, that I could have picked to be, uh, my free character, but you're not making a pretty decent party. Um, the tales, uh, characters and history is rich. So, there's a lot of them in there, and it's certainly fun to make your ultimate party with them. I would tell you to give it a shot. Um, obviously, there's the opportunity to spend money if you'd like, but you could play it for free and have a lot of fun with it, should you decide. But yeah, that story was pretty pretty good. I would I would encourage people to check it out if you are a fan of those type of games. We mentioned last week that Persona 4 Golden on Steam had sold over five hundred thousand units. That was a pretty cool benchmark. We got news today that sales for Persona 5 Royal have surpassed 1.4 million units worldwide. And that sales for um, Persona 5 Scramble the Phantom Strikers passed, are, are just under 500,000. They're at 480,000 units sold in Japan and Asia. So pretty good numbers. As a whole, the Persona series has now sold... 13 million units worldwide. A very cool number. still don't understand why we've not gotten any word on Persona 5 Scramble coming to the West. Um, Oh, by the way, it came out uh, February 20th of 2019 in Japan and still no announcement. I'm starting to lose hope that we're going to get this one. I really, really hope that's not the case, but I guess... We will just wait and see. Um, we're used to announcing delays here on the JRPG report, but Idea Factor International has actually moved up the PC uh, slash Steam version of Death End Request 2. It's been moved up a week, so it was supposed to come out on August 25th, and now you'll be able to get it. On August the 28th. However if you were getting this one on consoles. You still got to wait. Out in North America. Still on August 25th. And August the 28th. In Europe. So yeah. Always a good thing. I I can recall every once in a while. You'll get a slight bump up on a release date. But yeah definitely. More often than not. You get the old delay. Um, I mentioned that we're getting Fairy Tale here in just over a week on July 30th in Europe and Japan, July 31st in North America. If you're looking to see what this game really kind of looks like, I think I broke it down to about 40 minutes of gameplay for the game over on the YouTube channel. And this is featuring the voice actors for Laxus and um, Urza. So, if you want to check that out, you can. And, of course, it's a Japanese version of it. I would have to imagine that's what we're going to get. So, it's pretty cool. You can get a good sense for this game. I know a lot of people are excited for it. And I am as well. But just not going to be able to get it right at launch. Got some Legend of Heroes news for you guys. Uh, First, um, there was a... Soundtrack Sampler Mini put out for the Legend of Heroes Hajimari no in Japan. This uh, video has six tracks on it and is uh, The Destination of Fate, Kentotsu Gaju, Sword of Swords, and um, a bunch of other weird names. Uh, you've got six titles on there. You can check that out. That is actually... A, a YouTube video, so you can go and check that out over on our YouTube page. A lot of people have been very interested to hear this one and how it sounds. And It's a good way to experience this game without it being um, <laughs> spoiled for you in any shape or form. There was also a article came out this past week that detailed the old members of Class 7 coming up for this game so if you want to you can check out that link and see how some of these characters that you saw uh, i'd I'd say between cold steel one and this one you're talking about a good two or three years span so watch these characters grow up and then to who they were going to be it also details some of the mini games coming out for this one and um some more about the variant rage system and True Red quarter you can check out those links if you really want to spoil yourself, or if you have already played Cold Steel 4, the import for that, then you'll be fine. But if you've not, you definitely want to uh, watch where you step with this one. It could ruin some things for you. Um, if you want to make your own game, you can on RPG Maker MZ. It will launch um, via Steam for PC on August the 20th. For $79.99, publisher Dengeka Games announced. It will support English, Japanese, French, Italian, German, Spanish, Portuguese, uh, Russian, simplified Chinese, traditional Chinese, and Korean language options. It looks to be very, very robust. And i got to be honest with you guys. I'm pretty tempted to want to give this one a try. I've never really done it before. But it just seems really interesting. And I've um, seen some of the games made with uh, its previous version. So this one looks a little more robust and can do some fun things with it. I'll let you know if that's something I end up doing or not. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. That seems like a pretty good spot to take a break. I've got a few more fun stories including stuff on Final Fantasy 7 Remake and that third interview for Final Fantasy IX with uh, series director Hayuko Ito coming up here on the JRPG Report. All right, welcome back, friends. Time for part two of this episode 123. By the way, my name is James Fisher. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and every week for all your JRPG news and developments. You can follow us on Facebook. Give us a like there. Follow us on Twitter for daily updates and then I talk about all those stories in the podcast. And you can subscribe over on YouTube for daily JRPG videos featuring all the trailers we talk about here as well as uh, live streams and then um, video versions of the podcast as well. If you are liking what you hear and see, give us a Uh, listener support option at the bottom of this podcast, or you can sign up on Patreon under JRPG Report. I would greatly appreciate that, of course. Um, There's a game I'm not super familiar with. It just came out today, so I'm still kind of absorbing everything and learning a bit about it. Um, uh, I think it was over a year ago, some former Square Enix employees kind of broke off and they wanted to do their own thing and they started tight moon studio BB director Kazuwa Nanu uh, and some of his friends (laughs) started this company and one of the first ones I've seen out of them is going to be called fate extra uh, remake they this series has been going on for a while this one is called fate extra record and uh, it is a remake of a game I think about 10 years ago old and this was just announced i kind of looked at it it looks like it has all those jrpg staples so we're going to go with it as being something worthy of your time um the battle system does look a little bit different where there are um input commands that you gain and then can use in battle so Kind of a different version on that. We'll have to wait and see how well that works out. But here's some of the details about it. Um, In Fate Extra Record, the protagonist speaks. There are both male and female voice options, as well as the option to turn voices off. Um, He said for those asking for a Steam version, uh, he couldn't confirm it. But he does want to reach a wide audience. So you can probably expect that to come about as of right now it's just been announced for a ps4 and switch i do believe they're also considering full voiceover for the bomb master but they're not sure yet um development on this game started about a half year ago um they Battle system has been completely redone. The reason for the original had a rock, paper, scissors battle system was because they wanted to have servants battle it out in the case of a tie. Now the battle system is a deck build style system in which commands flow in randomly each each turn. And you had to determine which is best in order for that turn while avoiding damage. For each battle you win, you get a new command. There are new monsters, and all scenes from the original game will record... um, Okay, this actually says platform's release date have yet to be announced. I mean, this looks like a PlayStation 4 game, so let's wait and see. If you want to check it out for yourself, I've got not only this story linked, but I've got the trailer over on the YouTube channel. You can check it out and see. There was a live stream that this was kind of announced during the Fate Extra 10th anniversary. It's about 50 minutes long. You can check that out. If you would like in its entirety, and that'll kind of show you a little bit more of what the game is all about. Got some news on the Genshin Impact front. They have actually said that this game will launch for PC, iOS, and Android before October. Publisher and developer Mihaiho announced. uh, Additionally, they announced that they will hold a second closed beta test for the PlayStation 4 version beginning July 30th in order to ensure a smoother, high-quality experience. Uh, Due to, quote, limitations on test platforms and server regions, it will only be available to certain portions of the applicants for it. Yeah, I definitely noticed some issues with the game. Obviously, that's, like I said before, that's why it was a beta and meant to test things. So that's interesting that they announced that the Uh, PC, iOS, and Android will launch before October, but that seems to leave out PlayStation 4. Of course, there is a Switch version also planned, but there is no release window yet set for that. So, it could be this one's kind of rolled out in segments, but I'll keep you updated as I hear. Of course, I guess if this second closed beta goes well, then they can add PS4 to it. We shall just have to wait and see about that. Um... Coming up on August the 19th will be the 10th anniversary of the Neptunia series. This is uh, the 10th birthday of Hybrid Dementia Neptunia series. And on that date of August the 29th, there will be a special live stream digital event upcoming. And they'll share that with you guys as it is um more upcoming. Seems like it could be a good celebration, possibly even have some announcements about some things coming up soon as well. Also upcoming, actually it starts today. Uh, I guess this would be about the time when normally we would have the uh, San Diego comic-con, but it is a digital online event this season. And there will be some pretty cool swag available for persona fans. Uh, there are three Persona Five shirts that you can check out and and possibly acquire. Um, with uh, let's see, who has got on there? One's got Joker and Arsine on it. The other one's got Oracle and the Nemunekricon on it. And the last has Panther and Carmen. So the Persona users and their personas on those black T-shirts—they look awesome. There will also be some Persona 5 pins featuring Morgano. I see four of them uh, up on there for Udon pins. There's also some Persona 4 limited edition mystery puzzle pin sets that could be available if you are (laughs) lucky enough to score those, assuming before they check out. So you'll want to uh, check out the official website. I've got that linked for you guys on Facebook. But if you don't have time for that, just Google... Uh, San Diego Comic-Con and they should have that website link for you guys to check out. Got some Final Fantasy VII Remake news to pass along to you guys then we'll get to that last interview. Uh, first of all, there has been some surveys floated out there that they want to get your feedback on Final Fantasy VII Remake. This one is about the battle system. Um, don't get too excited though as it's more of a surface level survey uh, kind of like what, what you like best, sort of thing. You can check that out in the Final Fantasy Portal app until July 31st. But there is already some ramblings and news about Remake Part Two. This comes from the latest issue of Weekly Famitsu. It has a 15-page interview with the <laughs> development team. But we'll break down just some of the key. Uh, bits from that. First from Director Nomura. Uh, He says, I fully understand the importance of releasing a continuation soon. We want to deliver as quick as possible. We've grasped where the level of quality should be this time, too. He says soon. We've got a system change upcoming. Like I said before, I don't see this one for another two years. And I think that may be optimistic. Uh, He says, for the next game, we plan to release something with even greater quality and even more enjoyable than the first game as quickly as possible. When we announce the next game, we hope to also make our future plans clear. So that's kind of good news. I think maybe they'll try to lay out a roadmap. Um, Obviously, when this one gets closer to release, we'll know how far... This one's coming along and they can make a better guesstimation as to if this is going to be just a three part trilogy or perhaps something bigger and better. He says regarding Jesse's popularity, I never imagined she would be this popular. And this is an interesting saying. They said as for the hand massages in Walmart, if we did anything risky in that town, the rating would have likely gone up. So that was probably the most that they could do. It was already pushing M. With the language involved and some of the violence, uh, there's alcohol in it too. So if they did anything overly sexualized, even though (laughs) they still did, uh, plenty in terms of kind of pushing that. But if they would have implied anything kind of at this massage parlor, I think it would have pushed up to him for sure. He says the whispers could be seen because you made contact with Aerith. How long was Earth able to see them? That's a question I cannot answer just yet. Uh, Producer Katase says, The story of a new Final Fantasy VII is only just beginning. Uh, Co-director Hamaguchi says, Development on the next game has already begun and we're hard at work. You'll be waiting a little while, but please look forward to it. And I like this idea. He says, Feedback from fans who want to use Classic Mode at normal difficulty will be kept in mind for future I would definitely... Prefer that. Um, I won't. I won't get into that too much. There are some senses of, of, and spoiler in that. So I'll just say. Uh, Nobuyu Matza says, he says, "Hollow" is the first song, I made while playing guitar. That's incredible to consider, how great of a musician, that he is. Um, Nojima, the scenario. Director says the Final Fantasy series is a series that always continues to challenge and change. He said Final Fantasy 7 Remake is no exception. The sound director says doing the voice work for several languages at once for a worldwide release was, uh, <laughs> very tough in the final stages of development. He says between us, we just made it before the deadline. I am not surprised about that. The music supervisor says something interesting. He says, although we had the idea of going silent And background music free to invoke a sense of realism, I'm assuming like while down the slums or something like that, we decided to have constant sound like the original Final Fantasy VII. I can see how they could have went either way with that. That would have made things a little more interesting, but it would not have been accurate to the original vision for sure. So we've got some things to look forward to in this one. We'll be reporting on this one for a while, so <laughs> stay tuned for the next couple of years about Final Fantasy Remake Part Two coming uh, sometime. And we'll wind up with the final interview from Final Fantasy Seven Portal, Final Fantasy Nine <laughs> Portal sites. Uh, three-part interview. We did the first two parts on our Sunday special this past week, so I invite you to go back and check those out. Perhaps so you could even pause. And go and check those out, and then you can check these out. Although I don't think order really matters. I would have loved to have done these all at once, but I can't uh, control these dates. So I'll kind of I'll go through this one a little bit more uh, quickly, as they do ask the same questions basically for each one of them. It's just their different responses. So here we go. He says uh, we often hear the phrase "returning roots" when it comes to Final Fantasy IX. Was that the direction for the game present before development started? And this is, of course, with um, game director Hayuki Aito. He says, I often get hounded by the questions like, what's the concept for this game? And I honestly want to respond with those and (laughs) respond to that. I said, who said there was going to be a concept? But alas, in the adult world, there are some things that can't be avoided. So yes, the hard to define phrase returning to roots was in place beforehand. What I mean by hard to define is exactly what roots we'd be returning to also wasn't clear. Obviously, the roots of the series are Final Fantasy 1. So, do we make another game like Final Fantasy 1? Or do we try and recall the feelings from when Final Fantasy 1 original was originally under development, essentially going back to our roots as game creators? Or do we appeal to a nostalgia crowd, making a title that feels like the games that we love from our past? It's not anything specific, for one of those things, and on top of that, every developer has their own feelings about their work. He says, however, it does feel like over time, without any one specific intention, those words end up permeating the mindset we had during the game creation, the concepts in the game, and the character of the product itself. Also, the highly de- deductive matters of what it really means to be human, what role circumstances play, consideration for others, kindness, hatred. I think all those concepts were reflected in the game. In other words, I think that perhaps getting back to the true nature of things is what Return to Roots could have meant in this case. That might be the overarching theme of Final Fantasy IX. And then he says, now, what was that question again? So I'm glad that he had some fun with this one. Um, they ask about Umamatsu's uh, compositions for the game. He says, what are any particular songs that stand out in your memory? He says, of course, the main theme. Sometimes portrayed by a simple uh, electronic melody, other times performed with the whole orchestra, repeated at exhaust from the very first Final Fantasy title and still used today. You know you're a fan of the game when the main series theme comes on. It's my favorite song, so when I'm in doing work for Final Fantasy, it's playing endlessly in my head, or at least that's what I'd like to happen. Hey, he says, Have you any thoughts about working on Final Fantasy 99? Or words for the many people who continue to love it to this day? He answers, I feel a great sense of pride in knowing that even 20 years after its release, Final Fantasy IX continues to be a well-loved title. I'm of the opinion that a game isn't complete when it's out on shelves for sale, but rather when the fans have played it and found it to be fun and interesting. I uh, thank you all so much for keeping the memory of Final Fantasy IX alive all these years. I hope you'll be continue to be fans of, of Zidane and the other characters. And the game itself, for years to come. Well, that wasn't very <laughs> long. None of those were. I, when I originally had the idea to do that as the Sunday special, I thought, oh, sure, this will this will be a nice long episode, and it being end up being our shortest one ever, and it still would have been the shortest one even if we'd have had all three parts. But uh, Final Fantasy Nine has a special place in my heart. I greatly enjoyed it. Uh, quote unquote, returning to roots aspect. And I know a lot of you guys did as well. So that's going to wrap it up for episode 123. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back on Sunday. I don't know what we're doing this Sunday, but I'll think of something for sure. And of course, we'll be back next Wednesday with another great weekly podcast. But until then, guys, get back out there and level up.